The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 29th, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Welcome, Ken. Welcome this morning. Good morning, Elaine. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful day it is here in Sonoma County, and I'm really, I'm really excited. Joining me on the phone today will be Jean Shinoda Bolin, uh, Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, uh, MD. She's a psychiatrist, she's a Jungian analyst, and an internationally known speaker and author of 13 influential books in over 100 foreign editions, and she's author of The Millionth Circle, which we will be talking about today. And I want to read something from her her book called Moving Toward the uh, the Million Circle to kind of give folks an idea of what we're going to talk about. Moving Toward the Million Circle is about heart-centered activism and women's circles with a sacred center. The metaphoric million circle is the tipping point into a post-patriarchal era based on the premise that when a critical number of people change their perceptions change their perceptions and behavior, a new era can begin. And I think that's where we are today. A new era is beginning. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to interviewing Jean. She's one of my favorite guests. Uh, she was on my television show several times, and this is her second time on Women's Spaces. So I hope you've, everybody stays tuned, particularly women, to this important, important uh, conversation. Well, it's the last day of the month. Can you believe it? You know, I heard, you know, where to have all the flowers gone? You know, where is June gone? I mean, it's June 29th. This is the last, the last show of the month, and we'll be doing the Women's Spaces Pledge. And you know, it's really interesting. Uh, so much has been going on. So much has been going on with uh, the, the protests that are going on. And, and now we find out another death. I mean, it, another I can't breathe death. It, it's just, uh, it's just stunning to me in our country that this is happening. And there was a letter to the editor. Uh, from a woman that was uh, ranting and raving about the fact that people are protesting and that they're, you know, they're loud and and that, you know, that soldiers are churning over in their grave because there's violence. And, and I was thinking about that, you know. You know, I had two uncles who were in World War II, you know, and she was talking about that the soldiers were churning in their grave because they were uh, fighting for freedom, and now, and now the fact that we have to wear a mask and all this other stuff that we're no longer free, which is really ridiculous. And, you know, when she said the soldiers turning over in their grave, I was thinking of my two uncles, my uncle uh, Robert Dorfman and my uh, uncle uh, Nathan Dorfman were both in World War II. It was, it was just stunning. They both came back PTSD to the max, you know. Both my uncles turned into violent, uh, really, really unhappy people. And my grandmother used to say, it's the war, it's the war. And it was the war. But they believed in what they did. You know, I had a friend whose father actually was on Normandy Beach that he was lucky that he survived. Another soldier 
that suffered from PTSD. But at the same time, they felt they were fighting for freedom, not only for freedom, but for our Constitution and for our First Amendment right, which means that we have a right. We have freedom of speech. We have a right to address grievances to our government when they are not performing the way that we believe is in the best interest for the public. So we have to start remembering that. Yes, many, many young men and women sacrificed their lives during the several wars that we've happened. And what they were doing, they were fighting for our Constitution. That's the law of the land, and we have to remember that. For some reason, people are thwarting that, and we're, we're kind of getting away from it. Like, all of a sudden, the Constitution is bad. Well, I got news for you. It's gotten us this far, and we do enjoy our freedoms, and I enjoy the First Amendment right. That's why I'm on the radio. I have freedom of speech. You know, I also say that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, but I actually still have the right to speak out and to say what I believe and think. Yes, there's certain regulations, you know, around language, but, you know, I like regulations because when we regulate things, it makes things safe. And it helps people have an agreement that we're all going to cooperate and we're all going to work and walk in the same step. And when something goes awry, hey, First Amendment rights. We can get out in the streets and we can protest. And I heard a a real interesting, uh, we were watching a a thing about the Confederacy, Ken and I, and they had a speech by uh, Martin Luther King about what was happening when people were looting and were, were burning certain places during the Civil Rights Movement. And one of the things that was said, which I think is very interesting, that sometimes some of this looting or burning is a way of bringing attention because what was demonstrated is that people get more shook up when they see property being destroyed than when they see people being killed. So there's a lot to think about and a lot to stand up for. And this is the time. This is the time where we all have to come together and say enough is enough. We want peace. We want justice. Remember, no peace, no justice, no peace. That's a very strong statement. Justice brings peace because when you have justice, you have fairness. And that's what people are calling for, fairness. Not to go and jump on one population just because of the color of their skin. And, you know, this whole Black Lives Matter thing and saying, oh, well, all lives matter. Well, I got news for you, folks. Until Black Lives Matter, no lives matter. Because it's the African-American culture that is suffering from these killings and these abuse from our law enforcement. And we have to look at it, not put anybody down, but say, hey, we have a problem. Let's look to solve it together. Very important. But how do we solve these problems together? You know, we have to have a lot of self-esteem. You know, I know I just wrote a letter to our board of supervisors for uh, on behalf of the uh, National Organization for Women, the Sonoma County chapter. And I remember reading the letter thinking, who am I, you know, that I should write a letter? And I said, hey, wait a minute. Who are you? You're a human being who has a right to speak out. And that's what self-esteem is all about, that you recognize your humanity, that you realize you're a person that has a right to express their opinion. So it's the end of the month, June 29th, so we do the Women's Spaces Pledge. And I I really, you know, i got to tell you something. The more I get into this pledge, the more I do it every month, the more I'm beginning to see the value of it. So I'm going to say it. Just, just, Just listen to it. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. 
My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power, however you define higher power. You know, I believe like the Native Americans. I believe in a great spirit. I believe in the creator. I believe in nature. You know, all those things are God. When I'm looking at the gladiolas bursting out, where do they come from? These beautiful, beautiful flowers and so many colors. In God's garden, there are many, many, many colors, shapes and sizes and all kinds of stuff. It's a beautiful world out there if we only look at it. And sometimes we got a little glitch in the road, like now. We have to start looking at things. But we have to have that self-esteem, that inner knowledge that knows that we are okay and that we cannot allow anything outside of us to judge us. We judge ourselves, and oftentimes we judge ourselves worse than any human being would judge you. So let's look at the pledge, and I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to say I'm going to say one line at a time, and just repeat after me. And I'm going to ask Ken to join me. Ken, will you join me? Sure. Here we go. My self-esteem. My self-esteem does not depend. Does not depend on anything. On anything outside of me. Outside of me. My self-esteem. My self-esteem depends. Depends on my relationship. On my relationship with myself. With myself and my higher power. And my higher power. Oh God, that just makes me feel good. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. That means nobody has the right to define who you are. I mean, they can have opinions, but it doesn't mean you have to buy it. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself. You know, there's a saying, love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love your neighbor until you know yourself. You have to know what you want. When you know what you want, then you you know what your neighbor wants. So my self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. I don't know. I don't know what the world is going to come to. You know, I really don't. There's so many ifs. But the most important thing, with all the ifs that are going on, we can still work on our self-esteem. We can still speak out. And we can still enjoy the beautiful, beautiful flowers that are growing in all our gardens. And, you know, FYI, it was really interesting. Ken and I, we brought in our first two squashes that we had for dinner. And I'll tell you, it really tastes different when you grow it on your own. It's just amazing. Oh, one thing I want to let folks know, and I've never announced it before. But, you know, Ken also has a website. He does uh, five-minute little vignettes, and it's called The Scent of Light. And you can get it. You can go on the Internet. It's Kenneth E. Norton. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H, middle initial E, Norton, N-O-R-T-O-N.com. And you can listen to all the wonderful, you know, this week, this week he talked about choice. You know, we're all at choice. It wasn't, for, it wasn't broadcast. Well, it was, I realized that. But we, the, for, you know, on the website, you can hear his choice. No, it's not on the website. Oh, it's not on the website yet? I'm, my, what was it, Purpose. Okay, well, the, on on the website now, we're up to date, it's called Purpose. And so visit the website. He has some wonderful, wonderful things to say. That's KennethEnorton.com. You know, I want to support his, I want to support his effort here because it is really important to listen to purpose and next week it's going to be choice and it's all these different things that, that come up that we all are struggling with today. 
Like I know 90% of the population has to be going, wow, what is happening here? What's going to be the outcome? Are we going to survive this? Well, guess what? We will. We've survived many, many things. You know, think about World War II, what Germany survived, what Japan survived, all the different things that happened during that time, during the Vietnam War. You know, look at Vietnam is now prospering. You know, we, we recover, and we're going to recover from this. So just, you know, have faith, and when you feel down or you want to speak out or you want to do something, I really want to encourage my, my listeners to start writing letters to the editor. You know, start calling your board of supervisors, telling them what your opinions are, and say the pledge. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. I love that. You know, I wrote that for my grandson, and he's 31 years old and really taking charge of his life, and it's beautiful to see. Anyway, that's a lot to think about. And the one last thing I want us to think about, and that is, our history is our strength. You know, there's some birthdays that have come up this month, and I, I really want to acknowledge these people. You know, on June 28, 1946, and she passed away in 1989, was one of my favorite, favorite people in the whole world, Gilda Radner. She was a comedian and original cast member of Saturday Night Live. I think she's made, but it's Nodana Modana. I mean, she, she was just wonderful. Was sad when we lost her, that's for sure. And here today's birthday, which is June 29th, 1858, and she passed away in 1932, Julia Lanthrop. She was a social reformer in the area of education, social policy, and children's welfare. The first woman ever to head a United States Federal Bureau when she served as director of the United States Children's Bureau. You know, that was a new phenomena to bring in a children's bureau. At one time, children, they just, they had no regard for children. They put them into work when they were as little as five years old. Can you imagine sending your child to a factory at five years old? If it wasn't for women like her with children, labor laws, you know, that, that children would still be doing that. And to, even today, we ignore them by not giving them good health care and all that other good stuff. Well, here's another birthday that happened today, June 29, 1897, and she passed away in 1992, was Keizu Toasaki, a physician who pioneered a place in medicine for women of Japanese ancestry and was one of the few physicians allowed to practice medicine in the Japanese internment camps during World War II. What a blessing that woman must have been to all these people when she came into those camps. Well, two days ahead of us, on June 30th, 1883, and she passed away in 1970, Dorothy Tilly, civil rights reformer, devoted her life to reforming Southern race relations. Well, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, Dorothy, those relationships are still strained. But look how long we've been struggling. 1883. Come on. I mean, we have to start looking at that. And then one last person, another one of my one of my favorite people, and such a beautiful woman, born June thirtieth, nineteen seventeen, and she passed away in twenty ten. Lena Horn. I loved Lena Horn. She was beautiful. She was the first African American woman to sign a long term Hollywood contract. Fought for contracts guaranteeing African Americans could attend her show. Can you believe that? 
Here she is making them all kinds of money, and she has to fight for her people to be able to attend her show. I mean, I you know I have to scratch my head when I think of when I think of racism, and I believe it's deep deep inside of us. And and what happens is, is a lot of it is because we don't understand our history. You know, why do we say our history is our strength? Because we can look at the we can look at the good news and say, ah, that worked. Let's repeat it. We can look at the bad news and say, ah, uh, ah, uh, that didn't work. Let's look at it. Let's not repeat it again. Let's see how we can improve it. But if we don't look back sometimes, if we don't evaluate, if we don't think about things and how they need to be or maybe changes, and all of life is about choices and changes, choices and changes, what else is there? You have to make a choice. Suddenly your life changes. You know, your life can change in one phone call. It's just amazing. One phone call, everything changes. One illness, everything changes. One loss of a loved one, everything changes. So we have to start looking at our choices. You know, we have to start looking at how we can change and not to be afraid to look at our history. And I'll tell you, Ken and I watched this thing on the truth of the Confederacy on YouTube. And I'll tell you, I had no idea of the history. I had no idea exactly what our african-american brothers and sisters went through all those years of slavery they had no rights they had no identity they had nothing and they were treated brutally so it's just an amazing phenomenon that today finally 2020 people are saying enough is enough is enough and i'm going to say it again black lives matter and if black lives don't matter right now in this time of history I got news for you folks, nobody's life matters. And that's very important to take in because it's what's going to stop, you know, all of a sudden something. I mean, I have two friends that lost their children through law enforcement and they were white. So, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to recognizing that, you know, black lives matter or nobody's lives matter. Well, that's a lot to think about but that's what women's spaces is all about i want us all to be thinking and as women as birthers as bringers into life into this planet we have to stand up for justice and peace for all women all children all men all people across the globe a lot to think about well, I'm going to take a musical break, and then afterwards, we're going to bring, after the musical break, I'm honored to bring Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin on our show. I mean, it is such a delight. This woman has written over 13 books and just is just a marvelous woman and so kind, always so loving and so kind. So we're going to play this song, and I, I dedicate this to all people that are suffering from their self-esteem or suffering from the blow that the culture gives you that makes you feel that maybe you're less than it's one of my favorite songs how could anyone tell you and it's sung by one of my (laughs) i love these people betsy rose and the women's choir i'm gonna i'm gonna make it one of my goals is to get to meet betsy rose and have her on and talk about all her music and what what has inspired her but this is a great one how could anyone tell you sung by betsy rose and the women's choir when we come back like i said we will be talking to dr jean shinolda who's a psychiatrist a jungian analyst an internationally known speaker and author of 13 influential books in over 100 foreign editions author of the million circle 
you know, a way that women can gather and get together and start speaking out. And that's what we'll be talking today. How could anyone ever tell you You were anything less than beautiful How could anyone ever tell you You were less than all How could anyone fail to notice That your loving is a miracle you're connected to my soul How could anyone ever tell you You were anything less than beautiful How could anyone ever tell you You were less than Your loving is a miracle How deeply you're connected to my soul How could anyone ever tell You were anything less than beautiful How could anyone ever tell Your loving is a miracle How deeply you're connected to my soul How deeply you're connected to my soul Yes, how could anybody ever tell you that you're anything less than beautiful? And that goes to out to everyone out there. Everyone that thinks a little bit little about themselves, no, stop that. Just realize you're a beautiful child of this universe. Anyway, for you just joining in, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FN Calistoga Santa Rosa. I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. Without further ado, I want to introduce my guest joining me on the phone, Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, who's a psychiatrist, a Jungian analyst, and an international known speaker. Welcome, Jean. Welcome to Women's Spaces once again. Thank you, Elaine, for the invitation, and it's a pleasure, and how time flies. Oh, it does, doesn't it? And wait a minute, before we begin, I have something very special for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jean. Happy birthday to you and many more. Happy birthday. That, but thank you. Well, bl- blame blame Betty for letting me know. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday, and I wish you many, many, many more years. Well, before we begin, if uh, you don't mind, I'd like to tell my guests, my, excuse me, my listeners, just a little bit about you. Is that okay? 
course. Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, MD, is a psychiatrist, a Jungian analyst, and international known speaker and author of 13 influential books over and has been written in over 100 of the foreign editions. The, the Tao of Psychology, The Goddess in Every Woman, God in Every Man, Ring of Power, Crossing the Avalon, and on and on I can go. She's also is in the, she's a clinical professor of psychiatry in the past. Uh, at the University of California, San Francisco, and a former member of the Miss Foundation for Women, the Association for Transpersonal Psychology, and the C.C. Jung Institute of San, of San Francisco. And she is also leading a conference, uh, the Fifth World Conference uh, for Women in India in 2022. So you're actually going to do another conference. Well, I'm actually supporting that which I've been doing at the United Nations for quite a while but since the UN is not doing it I came across people in India who have been amazingly well organized and doing women's conferences and they came aboard and added an extension of the Fifth Women's World Conference to what they're doing and if all goes well it will be held in India in 2022 but you know we are in this liminal time in between what was and what might be and anything can change and happen in between so nothing is for sure after until we get through this particular time we're in it's an amazing time well you're you're also uh, sheltering aren't you how's that how has that been for you you want to talk a little bit about that well i live in mill valley um halfway up the hill to mount tam and am privileged to be where I am, as I would imagine many of the people that you are, that the listeners are also, that to live in Northern California and and with the beauty of nature around us and everything, and somehow we're not as touched as by the coronavirus and the the economic catastrophe that's sort of happening to many people. And so... One of the things about being in this in-between time is is to hold on to gratitude in the midst of it just because compared to how other people are faring. I think most people in the counties that we live in are managing and some, maybe most, are managing quite well if they can, if they can tolerate sheltering in place. Now, I think I happen to... I think anybody with any kind of introversion can can take to a certain amount of sheltering in place, but not everybody's got that. Well, I feel the same way. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> I start writing more and doing more things, but but it is it is it is hard and you know, we have to recognize that. And it's true, living in Northern California is really amazing. Well, you know, before we start, you know, we're going to talk about the circles. Uh, and I read a passage, I don't know if you, I hope you were streaming, but I read a passage from your uh, Moving Toward the Million Circle right. at the beginning of the show. And it, I, I mean, I have I have almost all your books. It's just amazing. But i I just like to talk a little bit about... How did you decide to become a psychiatrist and, of all things, a Jungian analyst? You know, what, and what were some of your challenges? I mean, you were probably uh, not among many women when you went back, when you went to school and decided on well, this. Well, actually, because I was a medical student at UCSF, we had 10% of our class were women out of 100. 
and um, but this was a time when there also was a uh, that that was sort of unusual that there there were many medical schools that had one or two percent of the class women or none at all. But now, just look at the changes. I mean, one of the things about being sheltering in place is watching the spokespeople, whether they be newly members since 2018 of the House of Representatives or watching the the uh, emergency room docs, how many of them are women. So I don't... Um, I don't think it was that... Un- I mean, I... Somehow, I don't feel it was that unusual to become a woman doctor, given that my mother graduated from Columbia Medical School in New York and was a doctor before me, as was an aunt. (laughs) So there's a certain lineage of of it being perfectly reasonable to think about being a doctor. It's just that I happened to be not had my talents in that direction. I had been uh, more... uh, more in the liberal arts, much more taking after my father's liberal arts side. When I had a experience of ma- of of humbling me, for I'd been this star person, and then realizing how can I say thank you? And the how do you say thank you is really about helping others. You know, one of the things is maybe that will be what other people will feel in this in between place that I keep referring to as liminal. It stands for the word threshold in Latin. And when you're in a liminal place, you are not where you used to be, and you don't know where you're, where you're going to end up. It's whenever there's a crisis. We're in the middle of a crisis, the first crisis in which the whole globe is involved. Every one of us has had personal crisis. You can't get through life without having personal crises happening to you you know they happen you lose a job you lose a relationship you lose a child you use a lose a dream you lose a partner uh, you know you can't get through life you lose your health and get it back or whatever i mean you can't get through life without being in crisis mode at some point and at each time that each of us is in a crisis what we do in the midst of it shapes what comes next. Well, that's a really great point. I really believe we're in a great transition place and that we're going to make some new choices, hopefully. And we're looking at things in a way, I mean, even myself, just looking at history in a a new and different way. Well, you know, what's real interesting that I find very interesting about you, particularly around the idea of the circles bringing women together this way, but also the fact that you focus so much of your energy and your books on the idea of the goddess and what that represents. So could you talk a little bit about how, how, how did that spark your interest? I mean, was it through Jung when you were studying or what, what all of a sudden did you decided like, oh my goodness, this is, this is the way that we need to start looking at things? Well, you know, one of the major themes in my life actually started with the first book that I wrote. It was called The Tao of Psychology about synchronicity and the self. And it's it's really because of synchronicity or meaningful coincidences that I was at the only residency in the United States at that time where there were clinic where where I had a good chance uh, and I got 
um, Jungian analysts as as supervisors. Uh, that was a really unusual thing at that point, and so I had uh, uh, it's it's sort of when when there are meaningful coincidences and you and just when you are at the right. I mean, with, with some sort of. I mean, sometimes it feels sort of magical that you meet the right person that opens a door that you can step through, and and somehow you didn't even realize that door existed, and then you recognized what was there. And uh, Jung is the only uh, psychiatrist, teacher, uh, major psychologist who's written so much in his lifetime that emphasized the spiritual side of things. Plus, he introduced the idea of synchronicity or meaningful coincidence. So I got exposed to Jung, uh, one might say accidentally, but I would say it synchronistically. What is it? What is it about his teachings or his studies that you found that brought the goddess to you and all that type of information? Well, uh, they're patterns. They're archetypes. They're archetypal patterns. They're um, um, the reality of their their again being being. A, a student of such things as Latin when I was in high school, and and so I was very familiar with the Greek the Greek goddesses as they were known under their Latin names, and to recognize that that uh, uh, well, first of all, when in my training, Freud was the master psychologist. That was the theory we were we were raised on so to speak and it and it, it it divided you know the genders into two very separate kinds of people and it didn't fit everybody I mean so why begin with with it with you you can't say that that if you're a woman and you're and you've got an intellect or you've got a, a, a focus that somehow that is your masculine male side doing it for you rather than looking at the Greek goddesses and seeing the best strategist thinker there was in all of the Greek gods and goddesses was actually a woman. So it was represented by Athena as the best strategist. You were on a, you were going out to battle on a battlefield. You, you didn't want one of the gods to be your guide. Take Athena. She was the best consultant you possibly could have. Now, isn't that weird? And then, then um, I identified with the the Greek goddess uh, Artemis, who was, or Diana, who was the goddess of the hunt and goddess of the moon, both for her mystical side and because she liked to be off the beaten track, and she had a natural sisterhood quality about her. Well, it didn't fit the Freudian models, and so what I started to do was redefine the Freudian model, but also because Jung had. Didn't saw women as having, a, by na- nature, inferior masculine side, as men were supposed to have an inferior feminine side. Yeah, you know, I could see that there were men with good feeling functions, who and and there were women who d- who weren't, and vice versa. There were women like me who could be focused on a target of my own choosing and go to medical school. And it wasn't the masculine part of me doing it 
it was Athena Artemis. So what I did was find within what I was educated about a better pattern. And so I, I introduced the patterns that are prevalent in women because we, we differ from one another. There are women who are naturally um, mothers. This is Demeter, the, 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 the mother archetype, that all she wanted to do was have more babies. I, I mean, I've known women like that. And, and then there are, there are women who, who, who are Aphrodite and, and Venus and, and who are in the present moment and, and there's an energy. And I, I also started, when I started defining the major patterns and the reason for the Greek goddesses and the Latin Roman versions of it for it to last so long is that somehow at some level we recognized patterns. And and then to to have a sense about how it applies that that each goddess has strengths and problems and weaknesses plus they're within patriarchy so I could define a system that made very good sense to me. Well, you've done you've done an absolute wonderful job. And as you were talking, I was thinking about one of my first jobs after I got my master's degree. I went to work for a, a place called Athena House, which was a, a an alternative for women in, in incarceration. Mm. And I w- used to have to go in front of uh, the judge to you know to tell him why we felt that this woman was. Um, was uh, you know important to come? Why give her a chance? Right. And it was when I start finding out about Athena, it was like every time I went to court, I felt like I was this woman with this this shield and this all all you know owl on my shoulder. And, <laughs> you, you were know, you, you know, were metaphor, right? And one one time I was on the on the front porch. We were I was talking to a woman. We, she was having a real hard time, and she says, "Oh, this is not going to work." And all of a sudden, we hear coo coo coo, and there's this olive on uh, this owl on the uh, <laughs> and i said look it i mean if if you don't believe that you have the power to change i mean here athena has shown herself to us and so it was a, it was really a magical moment and then later on when i start reading your books then i began to realize the power of athena the power of artemis and a friend of mine actually wanted me to change my name to isis but i thought that was a, <laughs> i thought that was a little bit pretentious if you know what i mean well let's get into that and and we're going to just talk a little bit about that then we're going to take a musical break and the the song i'm going to play is a wonderful song by betsy rose in the women's choir called welcome to the circle so this is this is the question i have for you with all your writing and involvement with women's issues you have become you know you have become a lecture on women's circle and i love this moving towards the million circle that book is very is a very powerful book why do you believe what is the whole idea behind women in circles and how did you all of a sudden one did you just wake up one morning and say ah that's it women in circles how how did this all come about Hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> that was a well, big question. How did it all come about? Well, for one thing, I have been, I, 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 I've been in circles of women. I've had a sense of, you know, may, maybe because the archetype that was most predominant in me uh, was Artemis, which is part of the sisterhood archetype in her own mythology. And I was a Girl Scout, and Girl Scouts and Artemis are very similar. And, and and when you uh, and then there was the women's movement and the women's movement did consciousness raising group and change history for us 
it didn't have a spiritual basis particularly. It had a political, mostly a political and economic basis. But nonetheless, when women get together and talk about what's going on with them and bond over shared life experiences and then have a sense that together we can do whatever, you know, and they came up with all kinds of things. And it appeared to be inconsequential to the male patriarchy because it appeared to be that they were just women talking to each other. I mean, you know, how important is that? Well, it the, as a grassroots movement, the more something happens at the grassroots, it hits the collective unconscious at the, or the archetypal level in all of us. And what happens is it is contagious. There is a quality of when the time is moving in a certain direction, then others start to tap into that same field. And what I what I saw was was the growing women's movement and how it kind of grew in waves. And then it seemed to be quiet. But meanwhile, the women who were affected by the first wave then started in careers that made a difference. And then there would be another wave. And now there is a potential for the wave that would end patriarchy, which and it would end it quietly. It wouldn't be a big confrontation. It's what's happening right now in circles because of the coronavirus, for that matter, at least in the Western world, in our world, there are circles meeting daily, families meeting in circles. There are organizations meeting in circles. We, You know, it happens to be called Zoom circles or something like that. But, you know, if you bring together a family that has been dominated by one or two people, and it's sometimes it's the woman, but it's usually the man, who does all the decision-making and, you know, and, and saying this is how it ought to be. But as soon as you put us all in a crisis, which we all are in, and we call and, and, we, have, and, we, and we talk to family members who live in different parts of the country and we arrange to have a conversation circle once a week or something and the family members come together and get to know each other on a personal level and not one person will dominate and so over and over again people this is really you know this is sort of uh internet grassroots it's growing all over the the use of circle as the model of how people come together make decisions and support one another and women has, have learned that very well. They've learned about how to have a sisterhood. And I emphasize with the men circle bringing in the archetype of the self, which is a Jungian term for whatever human beings have called divinity through the ages. So if you put spirituality in the middle of the circle and in silent meditation or in individual silent prayer or whatever, you put into the circle after you've checked in, you talk about what you're really anxious about or you're concerned about your child who's going to have an operation next week or something. And everybody will say, you know, uh, you know will say, put, put that working out into the middle of the circle. And then when the circle has, has after they've checked in, after there's a certain time for silence, which is the spiritual side, and, and ask for energy or support or meditation meditation or visualization or prayers that something good will happen in the middle of a crisis you know you must be psychic (laughs) 
Because right now, one of my biggest concerns is my grandson. You know, he's going to be having some little surgery. And the thought I had is suddenly, you know, to have a circle with my family and do it in a more spiritual level where we come together with one focus, that he, the healing. And, I mean, what a great idea. Well, let's hold on to that thought, my friend, because we are going to take a little musical break. And when we come back... When we come back, uh, what I'd like to talk about is that if some ideas that you might have on how women can start a circle and also anything, anything that you feel is important in talking about this type of organization. And we'll continue our conversation. So let's go ahead and listen to Betsy Rose. Welcome to the circle. Welcome to the circle. Boy, what a wonderful show this is. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I am your host, Elaine B. Holtz. People ask me, what does the B stand for? It reminds me to be myself. I'm a beautiful child <laughs> of the universe, and I'm doing the best I can. And with me on the phone this morning, and such an honor, Jean, such an honor to be with you, is Jean, Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, MD. She's a psychiatrist, a Jungian alumnus, and an internationally known speaker and author of 13 influential books, and which is interpreted in over 100 foreign editions. And just thank you so much. And also, she brought the, the idea of the Million Circle with us. So talk 
talked about, is there any, if there's a woman out there or some women out there, what, number one, why, you know, we're listening to the song, Welcome to the Circle, it's, it's like a welcoming, you know, a place where you can speak out, where you can be yourself. Talk about how you feel women can maybe gather and maybe begin to organize a circle. And also, one quick uh, uh, opinion from you is I almost see the women's marches are a giant circle. Well, they're a giant flowing movement, and there is a sense of of the the energy that can be moved by numbers of women flowing together with a particular sense of need for change. So it, it can be very, very powerful whenever the energies of individuals come together and you realize that you're not alone in how you really feel strongly that something has got to change. And that's what that's when, when movements, especially when the movements are, are also moved by love for what it is that you want to make better. So it isn't hostility and anger that motivates the marchers, but a sense, I mean, watching, say, the marchers move on Black Lives Matter from, from, from conflicts into peaceful, multi-generational, multi-ethnic people getting behind the reality that until Black Lives Matter, then we will always be living in a culture that, that does not mutually honor that human beings share you know share the same wish for peace and compassion and both freedom and a sense of equality under the law and things this is what we women have were were and are still running into for that matter i mean the idea of a culture that culture could change for the better it seems to be happening in this liminal space that we call shelter in place now um Let's hope that it continues on a on a you know in a good way. But well, there's there's really no going. I think there really is no going backwards. I mean, if we can't go back, I mean, it's it's almost like when you have a truth in front of you, how can you go back? You can't. It's it, it's almost impossible. I mean, you really have to do. You really have to like maybe blow your mind out or something. But when you get a thought of, of particularly what's going on right now, watching. I mean, the idea that we actually watched a person die right in front of us on a, on a TV cam, you know. I, I mean, it was stunning to me. I mean, how could this be happening in our country? How could this happen to another mother's child? That's how I look at it. I mean, well, that, That's how I was moved with the, with the poster that was carried by a woman about Mama. Right, you know? Mama. Yeah. I mean, another, it, I mean, and I think once, I think that's what's happening, particularly with women. So we're coming to the end of the segment so quickly, I can't stand it. So are there any ideas that you might share with a woman who may want to start a circle? You talk about... A well, well, yes. One, one of the things is, is to use Zoom right now. I mean, we are sheltered in place. You can, you can gather a circle and keep it going. For example, you, the, the women you went to college with, what, where are they now in the United States? You could actually arrange to have a circle with them. You can arrange to have circles with, with good friends. Uh, you have to start out with the sense that 
there is a heart connection, and I think it really helps to. I mean, I've been doing, I've been holding conferences, I've been doing virtual workshops using the sound of of the Tibetan bowl with the idea that it resonates at the heart level and touches on every heart that is in the circle. And so one way or another, there's a sense of we are together with this. Uh, we may be separated, you know, geographically, but but we are together. And then what happens is there actually gets to be energy in the field. And I'm watching it happen on the Internet. I watched it happen over and over again when women got together. And and it had to be an affinity that, that, that of sisterhood, for example. Lots of women would just as soon not belong to a women's group if they didn't have a sisterhood archetype. So I think there's something about knowing who it is that you can trust who will tell you the truth has the qualities of a good person and would that woman be interested in being in a woman's circle why not try it for for three sessions for example and the book I wrote The Million Circle How to Change Ourselves in the World and its connection to a website was called The Million Circle it has, has the general principles on what you do in circle simple enough every voice has to be heard uh you have to speak your own truth do not speak for anybody else take your turns and it has to and it's be very very useful if it there's a sense of entering a sacred space and that becomes quite tangibly real or in, inside oneself you know you go from chatter to sacred space and then in the sacred space one of the things is that everyone checks in and that's when you say, you know, I need help with or I'm worried about or or please pray for or whatever. And then when we get to that part, after everyone has checked in, go into silence and and uh, support the dreams and the, and the hopes and the fears that things can, that, that something will be healed after, you know, will get better. And, and uh, then have some kind of ending ritual as one might have a beginning ritual, a simple one is just to light a candle in the center. And it's standing for illumination and connection and things. And it can be, in, and, and this can be when you actually meet in person, but actually this is what people are doing when they're meeting online as well. <laughs> well, you, you gave me a great idea. I think I'm going to go right now, I'm going to make an announcement that on Facebook, I mean, I'm going to go and see if I can find some of the women that served with me that when we were together, Women's Studies at Sonoma State. I mean, that was some, one of the most powerful times in my life from 1973 to 1975. I mean, I feel like I, grow, I grew two inches through, oh, yeah. <laughs> during that time. And, you know, I, I was actually, <clears throat> at the time, I was the first woman student speaker at a graduation. Dr. Marjorie Downing Wagner was our president, and she was so progressive. It was just amazing. Well, listen, my friend, it is now almost the end of the segment, and I wanted to any last words, any websites you want to recommend people to go to. What is the website that you're, that explains all the circles and, you know, anything that you care to say or think is important? Well, I think the book, The Million Circle, How to Change Ourselves in the World, it's a very slender book. It has the basic principles in it. You can go online to see, to my website, Jean, uh, 
jeanboland.com. That's easy enough. And see the book and decide, uh, and and all the other links are on it as well. But mainly, one of the things I'm using to communicate is my my e newsletter. So please sign up for it, and I'll keep you posted on what I'm up to. And you know, my my activism is 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 really what I'm up to a lot. And 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 to to be able to 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 be supported by others who go into circles and the more circles there are the easier it is to form more circles and I've, I've seen this I've just seen this over the last Jean we're going to come we're coming to the end of our show right now I want to thank you Jean J- Shinoda Bolin, MD, or psychiatrist, Jungian analyst, and internationally known speaker for being such a wonderful, wonderful guest. A reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again tonight at 11 p.m. And I get to listen to my own program. And don't forget, the children are our future, and we must never, never lose sight of that. This is Elaine Behold with Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening. The previous Women's Faces show was recorded on Monday, June 29, 2020.